we're going to get into this morning's preach, which, as Andrew says, is the second of our two weeks looking at the account of um, what happened uh, 2,000 years ago at Easter. Um, and I'm going to be looking particularly today at the ascension of Jesus and the disciples' kind of response in worship to that. So if you've got a Bible with you, uh, we'll in a bit be looking at Luke 24 um, and a couple of other places in Scripture. But as we've gone into Easter this year, I've got to be honest with you, I found it quite a sombre time of reflection. We've been in some kind of lockdown for just over a year. Our personal freedoms have been constrained in different ways at different times. We've struggled to spend time with friends, family and loved ones. And our mental health for many of us has been affected. Of course, there have been positives. Many of you tell me that our small group communities, surprisingly, are stronger than ever. That there is a new depth of relationship emerging as we endure this crisis together. And we've found new ways to meet as a church. I mean, you know, what was life like before family fun? And new ways to serve one another. However, I am personally becoming increasingly conscious of one fact. We have not gathered as a body physically for over a year now. And we have not been able to sing God's praises together. It's not that we haven't worshipped, but our worship has had to be different. It's often become more reflective in nature as in our small groups particularly, we've shared a helpful or uplifting scripture or song. For many of us with children, it's just been hard to engage in Sunday morning worship at home. And so for some of us, personal worship at other times has become more important. At Powerhouse, there have been some wonderful moments of intimacy with God. The Holy Spirit has moved among us, but being honest, it's not been as easy for the gathered body of believers to contribute. So I long for a time when we can gather to worship again, when our worship is no longer constrained by our current circumstances, when we can sing freely and contribute easily, when each one of us has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation, as Paul instructs the Corinthians. When we can see the physical evidence of the Holy Spirit moving among us. When the praises of God's people can rise up around us. My reflections over Easter have led me to two parts of the Easter story that have inspired me to spontaneous worship again. I'd like to share them with you this morning. The first is the intimacy of Jesus cooking his friend's breakfast on the beach. And the second is the awestruck wonder of his disciples as they witnessed Jesus' physical ascension into heaven, which resulted in his followers spontaneously worshiping him. And it's that moment that I want to start at. So if you've got a Bible with you, have a look at Luke 24. And we're gonna look just at the end there about the ascension. Then, Jesus led them to Bethany 
And lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. So they worshipped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. This is the moment when Christian worship starts. It is the moment when worship became spontaneous, an instinctive response, a heartfelt reaction to the magnificence of the risen Jesus as he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And of course, there is another account of the ascension that Luke tells us at the beginning of Acts. And if we look at that account, we see that their initial reaction was to stand amazed and stare into heaven. And then two angels turn up, which somehow kind of grounds the moment. But, but wow, did they worship. They were filled with overflowing joy and spent all of their time in the temple praising God. So this moment is the point that worship changes. This is the point when worship broke out of the constraints of the Old Testament law. The final sacrifice had been made. The temple curtain had been torn in two. The veil was lifted and they realized that they had lived in the presence of God for the last three years. They had stood and were standing in the Holy of Holies. You see, until this point, worship of God was constrained. Until Jesus came, the closest you could get to God was the inner sanctuary of the temple. The history here is that once a year, the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies, the place that contained the Ark of God, God's physical presence. And so powerful was God's presence that if you touched the Ark, you died. So the high priest would enter with a rope tied around his leg just once a year into the Holy of Holies, just in case he did die. And the other priests could pull him out without entering God's presence themselves. When the first temple was built, the Bible records God's presence gloriously and amazingly filling the temple. But the thing is, when the Jews were exiled to Babylon, we have no record of the ark ever returning to Jerusalem after that time, about 500 years before Jesus was born. And when the temple is rebuilt after the exile's return, there is no record of God's presence filling the temple at that point. Now, during the weeks after Jesus' resurrection, all doubt that the disciples might have had as to who Jesus was had been removed. Jesus is the Christ, the very incarnation of God. They had lived with God for three years and flourished. They had seen God's power at work in the miracles Jesus had performed. They had seen Jesus conquer death and rise again. And now they had seen Jesus physically ascend into heaven. 
And Jesus last instruction to the disciples before his ascension was, which you can read in Acts 1, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this changes worship forever. Until Jesus came, God's presence had not filled the temple for about 500 years. And then Jesus came and regularly taught in the temple. God was in the temple, but no one recognized him as God. And now as a result of Jesus' ascension, the disciples would spend all of their time in the temple, praising God, worshiping and waiting to be filled with the Holy Spirit, waiting to be filled with the very presence of God. But when they are filled with the Holy Spirit, the presence of God can no longer be constrained by a building. It breaks out. And we read this in Acts 2. The vessel of God's presence is no longer a box. It's God's people. Brothers and sisters, this is who we are. You and I are the carriers, the bearers of God's presence. When you gave your life to Jesus, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. God lives in us. We are filled with the same power of God that filled the ark, but more so. As I remembered all this, I had to ask myself, when was the last time that I had been spontaneously moved to worship? And I had to admit that it had certainly not been recently. Sure, I brought my praises. Yes, I've knelt in obedience. That's all good and as it should be. But when was the last time that I stood there open-mouthed and just adored Jesus? When was it that I was just moved to worship by who he is and the beauty of his presence, the Holy Spirit dwelling within me? Well, it was too long. I had to discover again who Jesus is, to understand that the ascended Christ, the risen Lord Jesus, actually enjoys being with us. He doesn't need us, but he does love us. Band, could I ask you to come back? We're going to worship again in a minute. Before we do, it's encapsulated in this moment at the end of John's Gospel. The epilogue to John's account of Jesus' life, which doesn't finish with Jesus' ascension, but instead ends with Jesus on a beach, cooking. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. And then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This is a group of friends on the beach, enjoying Jesus' company. And as they eat, he gently and lovingly restores Peter, who denied that he even knew Jesus as Jesus was undergoing his humiliating trial. And Peter's response is, you know that I love you, Lord, as Jesus said, do you love me? It's so intimate. We are friends of Jesus. He loves you. 
Let's allow Jesus to restore us and offer back to him our praise and adoration. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. Maybe you're somebody that has understood that Jesus is your saviour, but, but you've not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you right now. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together and worship in awe of the ascended Christ. Our worship doesn't have to be constrained by this crisis. Let's be filled again with God's presence, his Holy Spirit, and let worship arise from each heart, each room, each flat and house until the love of God overflows into our streets and neighborhoods. Let's sing his praises where we are right now.